0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, 1047 AM Central Standard Time, January the 11th, 2009, and this is episode 51 of Bitcoin and... And uh, you know, I'm gonna kinda of backing off from my mic today, kinda of see how it goes. Um getting used to a new microphone is uh a lot more work than uh people might think. Unless of course you do it every single day, you like working in a recording studio somewhere in West Hollywood and if such a thing exists anymore and you're always switching mics to like AKG 414s to Neumann U87s, blah, blah, blah. I mean, those guys, they don't need to get used to mics. They're pretty much used to, well, everything under the sun. I, however, am not working at a studio in West Hollywood. Thank God. So I am having to get used to my new road mic. And, um, so Did some experimentation with yesterday and we're just gonna, I don't know, stay back off of it for a little while and see if I can minimize some of the pops and whatnot and also to see if there's any kind of decent gain. So uh, bear with me today as we figure it all out. And uh, I think the first thing we're going to do as usual is a morning roundup. Today's going to be a little bit longer because there's a couple of stories out. Uh, but I really want to start with a tweet from Gab.com uh to start off the day. And Gab says, two more banks rejected us today. Bitcoin didn't. <laughs> Gab's uh, kind of leading the way, man. Uh, it's interesting. It's I don't know, man. I mean, you know, when, when Gab first started out, I immediately, you know, signed up, got a, you know, got an account. But since I don't really, I don't really say anything that pisses people off enough to get me banned. Um, clearly, I'm still on Twitter instead of Gab, but um, I'm a fan of Gab, and I don't really care if you call me a right-wing Nazi because reasons. But uh, you know, Gab for a long time kind of went, kind of fell silent um, as far as. Um, or at least maybe they didn't, but I I don't know. I'm just seeing a lot more stuff out of Gab on their own Twitter account about their endeavor, and especially since they got well deplatformed by the entire world and had to literally look at Bitcoin for what it really was—a uh, decentralized, uncensorable way of uh, being able to receive and transfer value um and since then it looks like uh they've gained a a hell of a fan base from uh from people from bitcoin and what i specifically like about the gab.com standpoint on bitcoin uh bitcom oh my god on the, on the corn bitcoin is uh the fact that they're not shilling shitcoins i like that i like how they're just saying no this is all we really need and anybody else can really just gfy So, um, anyway, so yeah, apparently they tried to get some more, you know, I don't know, maybe at this point, you know, I think they're just doing it, uh, trying to get like some banking going on simply because it does grease the wheels and making commerce a little bit more slick in, uh, in the world as we know it as of today. Uh, I don't think that that's always going to be the case, but as of today, it certainly is the case. And anybody who tells you different is either lying or they don't know what they're talking about. Not a big fan, but there you go. So, uh, let's get into the next one that's up in my stack here. And this is a, uh, this is a <clears throat> story on medium.com. Uh, Talking about a BitPay servers introduction of their crowdfunding platform. Oh, this is going to be fun. So let's just dive right into this one. Uh, this is <clears throat> this is on the BTC Pay server Medium account, and the headline is Bitcoin crowdfunding, uncensorable and self-hosted Kickstarter alternative. Powered by BTC Pay Server. (laughs) At BTC Pay, we love eliminating intermediaries. Our core belief is that everyone deserves the right to have total control over their finances and that trusted third parties are security holes. We build open source tools for self-sovereign individuals and businesses. Today, we're introducing a brand new tool integrated into our self-hosting payment processor. Crowdfunding is an application which you can launch from BTC Pay server interface that allows you to create a self-hosted funding campaign similar to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Unlike traditional crowdfunding platforms, the creator of the campaign is the owner of the platform. Funds go directly into the creator's wallet without any fees. The goal is to extend the use case of BTC Pay and cater content creators, charities, developers, and entrepreneurs who need funding and take their product, service, content from dream to reality. The app was developed by Andrew Camilleri. If you want to support the app developer, visit his crowdfunding page, which is a link. Crowdfunding features, self-hosted, open source, and free. Non-custodial, P2P Bitcoin and altcoin payments from backers to organizer directly without the middleman. Lightning network support, real-time updates, contribution perks, soft cap, hard cap goals, customizable campaigns, custom CC- CSS, adjustable goal contribution methods, resetting goal at X duration, Animation, sound when payment received, progress bar, discuss, forum support. Nice. You can easily alter the design of the page to fit your needs. The layout and basic features are quite similar to centralized platforms. Remember, all the money you raise goes directly to you. You're the bank and your own crowdfunding platform. At the back end, it all starts with a simple text editor, which can help you tell a perfect story and ends with lots of customizable features. We created a few campaigns to showcase how different users can use the platform. And here's a, at this point, there are five links to uh, different demos. Uh, Now that you're hooked, let's create your first campaign. Even if it's a test, it'll be fun. If you already have BTC Pay server installed, you only need to create a new app and customize it. Bam. <clears throat> if you don't have BTC Pay yet, go to our demo server, register, create a store, and add the public key, (xpub key) from your wallet. Go to Apps and Create New, customize your app, and publish it. We recommend that you use our demo server or third-party host only for testing purposes. The ultimate self-sovereignty and censorship resistance come with running your own BTC Pay, which includes running your own Lightning and Bitcoin node. You can launch a self-hosted BTC Pay in under two minutes. Check deployment docs. If you're tech savvy, you can host the server on your own hardware. Check out our other apps, Payment Button and Bitcoin POS. If you're in need of a Patreon alternative, take a look at Labra Patron a self-hosted alternative, which has BTC pay integrated. We hope you enjoyed this quick showcase of the crowdfunding app. If you have any questions, feel free to join our growing community, uh, on Slack or telegram. We have extensive documentation where you can learn about BTC pay and why it matters. We're an open source project. And if you're a developer, check us on GitHub. Major first campaign, please share it with us on Twitter and thank you for reading. So that'll do it for that. Uh, yeah, man, BTC Pay server and the, the guys over there, Nicholas Dorier and, and crew, are kicking some serious, serious, serious butt, man. Um, in fact, over the last four months, I have seen more developments in the, I guess, what you would call the, the, Rails that are going to sit on top of Bitcoin than I have since I've been here uh, since late summer 2015. Between Lightning stuff like BTC Pay Server and my God Almighty the the Lightning Wallet development and I mean it's just it God the the it's just snowballing absolutely snowballing it's just as as fast as I could possibly even imagine. In either event, uh, let's go ahead and move on up the stack. Uh, Crypto Graffiti is uh, an artist in the uh, in the space and has released a pretty cool piece of, uh, I guess you'd call it, active sculpture. sculpture. It's kind of cool. Uh, let's get into this one. Uh, Crypto Graffiti at Crypto Graffiti, all one word, writes, my latest work commemorates the 10th anniversary of. At Hal Finn's involvement in Bitcoin. Repurposed credit cards sit atop a used bank deposit box. Inside a custom at Casa HODL node allows you to quote unquote run Bitcoin. Embedded is Hal's signed credit card given to me by his wife Fran. All right. Second one in that because this is a kind of a, a short four-part thread. The Wi-Fi enabled node is adhered to only run when paired with the art. Up for Bid starting now exactly 10 years after his famous tweet and the tweet link is given. I don't need to go to it because uh, if you've been in the space anytime soon, you have seen Hal Finney's tweet running Bitcoin before. 50% 50% of the proceeds will go to the ALS Association, Golden West Chapter, who supported Hal during his battle with ALS, and essentially that's what kind of killed him was uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, in, in case you guys didn't know, at the very end of, uh, not the very end, but toward the end of, of Hal's life, uh, ALS pretty much just destroyed his his motor neur- uh, neural system, and he was uh, wheelchair-bound. Um, pretty much like uh, Stephen Hawking, and, and he died just a few years back. Uh, continuing on, a limited edition of 100 signed and numbered prints on aqueous pigment fine art, semi-gloss archival rag are available here, and he gives the link. And the last part in that tweet or tweet storm is uh, a heartfelt thank you to Casa Hotel team for collaborating, to Fran, and of course to Hal, for his important contributions in a space that means so much to many of us, RIP. And I can't uh, reflect the the sentiment of that, uh, you know, enough. Hal Finney was one of the, is going to always go down as one of the greatest, probably the second most important person in Bitcoin behind Satoshi Nakamoto himself. Because he was the first one to run Bitcoin. He was the first one to get a, a Bitcoin payment and or route, ra- well rather receive Bitcoin. It was the first one on the network that, that as, as far as any of us know, well, as far as we know, as you know, uh, we don't seem to see any evidence from anybody else doing what Hal did when he did it. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's the first, the first one aside from Satoshi himself that was on the Bitcoin network. So, To you, Hal, may you rest in peace. Moving on up, I got a a neat tweet storm from Haas McCook that I want to get into. Um, It's a, let's see, it looks like about an eight. Yeah, it's an eight-parter, so it's kind of short. As part of, and sorry, we shall begin. As part of my next Bitcoin mining cost and sustainability update, I'll be adding a brief section on the cost and sustainability of a 51% attack. All right, let's just be before I continue on that, for those who don't know what a 51% attack is on a on a blockchain-based currency or really a blockchain-based anything if it is a true blockchain and it is tr- you know as decentralized as it can be. Um a 51% attack equates to either some person or a group of people getting together and uh, owning in some way, shape, or form 51% of the power that drives that blockchain. If you get that, if you get 51% of the raw power, okay, and by power here, I mean like the computing power, but as we'll see in, in Hass's, uh, tweet storm, there's there's actually real power involved, like from power generation stations. But in this case, 51% of the compute power of any kind of blockchain will result in you basically being able to attack the blockchain with what's called a 51% attack. Um, and that allows you to do things like, oh, double spend Bitcoins. And we saw that with the uh, Ethereum Classic uh, 51% attack that happened a couple of days ago where they reorganized the blockchain <clears throat> to 100 blocks into the past which is a rather rather serious uh infringement on the blockchain um sadly enough it didn't do a damn th- really didn't do a damn thing to uh, ethereum classic's price i think it dipped 7% and then bounced back i don't i don't know it's it's silly because the 51% attack basically especially a successful one and successful multiple ones like the ETC chain or Ethereum Classic chain had uh, should actually spell doom. But, you know, hope springs eternal for some of the people that are dally in the uh, altcoin space. So whatever. But in either event, a 51% attack is one of the worst things that could happen to your chain. So Mr. McCook here is talking about uh, the probability and what it would take to go into a 51% attack on Bitcoin because it ain't like Dustin Crops kid. Um, you know, an attack on ETC, on 51% attack on Ethereum Classic uh, costs $5,000 an hour. You can rent a- enough hash rate from a single provider to attack Ethereum Classic. Bitcoin, not the case. And we'll find out how <clears throat> directly. So, uh, Mr. McCook continues easy enough to source a few billion dollars and a few mil- million ASICs. Very difficult to commandeer this level of power. And he links to a Wikipedia thing, but it's not important because we can just go on through here. Uh, Even finding that many ASICs would be a stretch and you need to have a covert fabrication operation to keep up. Fiat money is low energy. Bitcoin needs some real hard work to attack. Number three, and yeah, basically good luck getting that much power and that many ASICs all start up at the same time so that nobody has time to react to the attack. You know what? Let's make this a thread. Sorry that one and two are missing labels. Number four, at current Bitcoin hash rate, 44 exahashes, There is the equivalent of 1.9 million Antminer T15 units out there hashing away. For God's sake, Bitmain is staring down the barrel of bankruptcy. You think they could pump out 1.9 million units covertly, all delivered on the same day? Five. And the power. Oh my God, the vegans are going to have a heart attack. Bitcoin works hard all day. Deal with it. A 51% attack would need a 24-7, okay, that's 24 hours, seven days a week, 7,000 megawatt feed. Impossible to get at one location. Here are the top 20 power plants in the world. And again, he gives a Wikipedia list. Number six. The Bitcoin mining industry, including ASIC manufacturer, uses 7,000 megawatts 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a total of 63 terawatt hours per year. Let me say that again, 63 terawatt hours a year. Of the 20 in the above list, and he's talking about the power stations, only top two Only the top two generate more than 63 terawatt hours per year. It's a decent amount of power. 0.02% of the world's power. Number seven. Here's why you should count ASIC manufacturer in sustainability analysis, and especially when considering the 51% attack scenario. Most of the work that Bitcoin does is expended in the ASIC manufacturer supply chain and not in securing the network. And he gives a post to a, a a medium article there, which will basically take you through the details. Number eight. And the last one, Bitcoin actual consumption, including ASICs, 63 terawatt hours per year, or 7,200 megawatt hours per hour. I'm not sure if that's actually correct. I think that might be a typo in either event. It's a shit ton of power. People, So one hour equals six blocks, six blocks equals 75 Bitcoins in reward, 7,200 megawatts divided by 75 Bitcoins equals 96 megawatts per Bitcoin, 96 megawatts divided by BTCX equals, or or at approximate uh, 0.04 cents per kilowatt hour X equals 3,840 BTC, the price reflex, reflects the proof of work of the entire Bitcoin supply chain. So not only the hashing power, of the electricity for the hashing power, but also the electricity for manufacturing the ASICs that go into being able to crank up any kind of hashing power. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting tweet storm. Uh, it kind of builds on some of the uh, power arguments that have been going on for a while in Bitcoin. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, you know, what he's saying is that a 51% attack, we see it happen on, on smaller chains, and then everybody automatically starts saying, wow, well, that means it's going to happen to Bitcoin. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Bitcoin's too big. They Everybody had their chance way back when, back in the day when this crap was first getting its feet off the ground to do exactly this, and they didn't. And because they didn't, the monster got its teeth, got its arms built up, got its legs underneath it, starts walking around, and now it's a freaking titan You know, just that nobody can really stop because the only way to stop this particular Titan is to be able to to expend. Oh, I don't know. I guess it would be 32 terawatts per hour. Was it? Yeah. Uh, Wait. Yeah. You'd have to expend uh, 32 terawatt hours per year at any given time to be able to manufacture the ASICs, build all the machines, and then power those machines for enough time to successfully execute a 51% attack. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get that kind of power um, unless you sign a 12-month contract. And if you were to sign a six, uh, well, maybe a six, but uh, if you were to sign with it, like, and you'd have to have multiple power companies to do it hell you would probably wouldn't even be able to do it at any one given geographic location it would have to, you'd actually have to have centers across the world this would be like this would be billions of dollars you'd have to expend billions of dollars thousands of man hours probably tens of thousands of man hours in a singular timed completely coordinated attack with no leaks as to give, you know, to give the network any kind of forewarning that an attack was coming, it have to be completely covert. And as Andreas Antonopoulos says, this assumes that you're talking about a government that can actually do IT in the first damn place. So anyway, that, that's it for your morning roundup. Uh let that Hass McCook um tweet storm kind of sink in. If you are actually listening to people who are telling you how Bitcoin is going to get 51% attacked, no, it's not. It's too late. It's just too damn. Let's see what Marty's bent is up to here. Um, this is going to be for Friday, January the 11th, 2019. And this is issue number uh, 396, A Quick Path to Centralization. And he starts out with a screen cap of, um, of this particular paragraph. And it says, amidst these costs, the network has seen significant decline in fully synced nodes as developers and users aren't able... Not nor currently incentivized to maintain hardware and bandwidth that can support the data ma- data demand of the network, according to ETH, Ether nodes, the three-month rolling average total node count has declined by more than 50% since April of last year, versus Bitcoin nodes, which have remained relatively flat during the same time. With the contraction in node count, Ethereum researchers have floated proposals such as EIP-908, which aims to incentivize full nodes for relaying blocks and storing data, including state. However, these are still exploratory. And so Marty's bent on this is, here's an interesting piece that the block dropped yesterday exploring Infura, a company that hosts a lot of nodes on behalf of Ethereum users and companies. The burden of running a full node has become too cumbersome for the average user as the size of the blockchain. And more importantly, the need for fully synced nodes to consistently, I'm sorry, constantly verify state changes requires more and more powerful hardware at an accelerated pace. As a result, users and popular dApps companies running on Ethereum have outsourced their node operation to Infura, who outsources their node operations to Amazon, Not the best look for a project marketing itself is decentralized. As you can see from the highlighted section above, Ethereum full nodes are dropping off the network at an alarming pace, accentuating the centralizing nature of Infura as it concentrates more of Ethereum's traffic onto its servers. The Ethereum project is about to embark on a journey to upgrade their protocol so that it becomes leaner, more efficient, and more accessible to the average user. We shall see if they can pull off their ambitious plan successfully. It seems as though the Ethereum project is racing the clock against centralization. The, the scary thing about this situation is the fact that major apps like Metal, MetaMask are putting a lot of trust in, in Fura, a third party, and setting a precedent that this is acceptable behavior within these distributed systems. It may it may be all peachy at the moment, but what happens when a nation, state, or corporation decides these systems are no longer okay? Having a company like Infura as an Achilles' heel could be a death sentence. Prepares for the LOL, you don't even understand Ethereum, ignorant Maxi responses. <laughs> no shit. All right. Uh, final thought: Need a house with a fireplace, maybe two. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I completely, you know, uh, most of us are gonna, you know, are well, not most of us, but many of us in, in that knows what's going on are is going to agree with this situation, in so far as it is centralization, it is depending on one company to do the the majority of the heavy lifting of a network like Ethereum, um, and because of that, the feds only have they only have one door to knock on if they want to shut, like, you know, unlike what we just talked about with a a 51% attack on on Bitcoin, unlike that scenario, this is, man, this is easy pickings, dude. This is, Ethereum in its state as it stands right now is probably the lowest hanging fruit, even lower than a bunch of the altcoins that aren't as big as Ethereum because of Infura, because they're handling the majority of the heavy lifting with all of the, the private nodes dropping off the network. Um, then the feds can just, hello, we're going to shut your ass down. Sorry, but it's not decentralized enough. So that's going to be Marty's bent. And uh again, we want to thank Marty's Bent for uh, uh, the work that he does, or Marty Bent for the work that he does. You follow him at Marty Bent on Twitter and uh, we'll we'll see what he has to say on Monday. The Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by ccn.com, also known as at news on Twitter. Uh, this is this is kind of a good one. Indian banks force customers to promise not to use Bitcoin. Yeah, this is at this is as stupid as you're thinking. It is literally that stupid. Although there is a there is a bit of there there is a bit of tooth behind it insofar as you know the story that they link to. So let's get into it. Um uh, this is released by ccn.com. Indian banks force customers to promise not to use Bitcoin. Following new regulatory measures from the Reserve Bank of India prohibiting banks from providing services to cryptocurrency businesses, some Indian banks are taking drastic measures to discourage cryptocurrency adoption, reportedly requiring customers to sign contracts stating they will not use cryptocurrencies of any kind as part of their new terms of service agreement. Line in the sand. The new measures effectively force customers to choose between banks and crypto, perhaps a difficult decision for many supporters of the fledgling cryptocurrency movement. While many hope to see cryptocurrency overtake traditional banking entirely, the infrastructure to do that simply isn't there at the moment, and actions such as these carried out by banks on a large scale only make it more difficult to foster adoption, which of course is likely the point. At Desi Crypto Holdler, or Indian crypto girl on Twitter posted an image of the terms and conditions required by Kotak Mahindra bank as an example of the new strict measures being taken against cryptocurrency users. And it's got a screenshot that says uh, basis and okay guys, this is a, a terrible English translation that has been uh, posted in the, uh, in the picture. But so bear with me, this isn't my fault. It says, basis the regulations issued by RBI, I hereby declare that I will not deal with any transactions related to cryptocurrency, including bitcoins. I also understand and agree that the bank reserves all right to close my account without further intimation in case I am found to undertake such transactions. Uh, So that ends the uh, graphic. The bank asks users to declare that they will, quote, not deal with any transactions relating to cryptocurrency, including Bitcoins. I hate it when they do that. Don't put an S on Bitcoin. Don't. That's bad form. Adding that the bank reserves the right to close their account if they should breach the agreement. Similar warnings are displayed on the bank's ATM screens. And it gives a quote, Virtual currencies, VCs, are not legal tender and do not have any regulatory permission or protection in India. We request you not to make transactions involving any VCs from any of your accounts. For any such transactions, the bank shall be acting in accordance with the regulatory guidelines, which include closing your account without further intimation. End quote. The bank claims to be acting in accordance with IRB regulations. And Crypto Girls stated on Twitter that this is just one of many banks forcing their customers to swear off crypto if they want banking services. Another Twitter user, at IamCryptoLegend, commented in the thread to say that banks are implementing similar issues in neighboring Pakistan. Ah, man. This was confirmed by a screenshot, a screenshot of a text message from Faisal Bank warning customers not to use cryptocurrencies, and there's a graphic from a, uh, uh, a telephone or a mobile phone screen. Notice, FBL credit card does not authorize or license individuals for the issuance, sale, purchase, exchange, or investment in virtual currencies, coins, tokens. Man, well, they just really hate this stuff. IRB versus crypto. The Indian Central Bank has taken a stand against cryptocurrency, citing issues of security and volatility. The bank's governor, uh, Raghuram Rajan, does concede that Bitcoin is fascinating to him and states his belief that India and perhaps humanity in general will move toward a cashless society in time. Quote, For us at the Reserve Bank, This may happen in 10 to 20 years from now. I think these virtual currencies will certainly get much better, much safer, and over time will be the form of transaction, and that's for sure. While the IRB has not banned cryptocurrency outright, and Indian citizens are still legally free to use cryptocurrencies if they wish, the growing trend of banks refusing services to crypto users could put many citizens in a tight spot forcing them to choose between the underdeveloped system of the future and the outdated system of the past. And that's the end of that article. And man, that last sentence is, uh, that's a good one. I'm going to repeat that one again. Um, Forcing them to choose between the underdeveloped system of the future and the outdated system of the past. And that really does kind of chalk up and really draw, you know, draw a chalk out outline around the corpse of where we are right now. We are right smack dab in between the future and the past, and not very many times comes up in a human's life where they find themselves in a situation where they're not looking at the future and the past as as these fluid things. Um, this is not fluid. This is this is a static snapshot in time that we can stand back and look at and say holy shit. There really is a difference between the future and the past and we're right here. Like I said, man, there's a corpse on the ground with a chalk outline drawn around it around it and that corpse represents the transition between the future and the past. And the Indian Bank, you know, they've done a whole bunch of really bad stuff to their citizenry. Uh, not like the Fed hasn't done it to the United States citizenry, or the European Central Bank hasn't doesn't done it to their citizenry, or any other central bank hasn't done it to their citizenry at one time or another since the inception of the concept of central banks. Uh, well, again, with that, that that is a com- uh, you know it's a complete train wreck that these people are going to promise to you to not to use cryptocurrency. Really? The only way that that happens is if they do not have a bank account that links to any transactions that they might make with uh, cryptocurrency, i.e. sending money to Coinbase or selling, um, uh, selling money on Coinbase and having it deposited into their bank. If they do that, the bank's going to know. Otherwise, man, just don't commingle your banking with your Bitcoin if you can. Agreed? There's a lot of people that can't. I understand that. Look for the ways in which you can. And if you can, do so. And that's gonna be all for today's daily treatment. All right, people, I'm out. Um, wow, 40 minutes. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Okay. Anyway, uh, you guys have a really good weekend. Um, if try to be nice to each other on uh, crypto Twitter and Bitcoin Twitter. Um, I'm I'm one of the worst ones at it. I, I get it. I understand that. I know. Um, I'm trying. It's my thing for the new year is that I'm going to try to be nicer and not be so damn salty all the time when we're talking about anything other than Bitcoin or a competitor of Bitcoin or anything like that. Um, because in the end... As as that last story from the Indian Bank showed, we're kind of all rowing this boat together and f- having fights with each other while we're trying to row. Probably not the best way to get to the other side of the river in either event. Uh, with that, uh, I'm going to see you guys on the other side of the weekend and you have a good one. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host, David Bennett.